So hello and welcome to this Candid Convo. My name's Steve Dunkley. I hope you're well and feeling positive as lockdown restrictions gradually start to ease in the UK at least. Obviously, uh, different countries have their own timelines for getting back to normal. Um, but today we're focusing once again on the insurance sector. And I'm delighted to welcome Jan Myskowski, the Managing Director of Hanover Digital Investments, uh, which is part of Talanx, the number three insurance group in Germany after Allianz and Munich Re. So how are you doing today, Jan? How's lockdown treating you? All good, all good. I'm in the office. I like to kind of protect my home for the home stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a difficult balancing act, you know, family life and business colliding in this whole uh, lockdown scenario. But yeah, thanks again for taking time out for joining us, Jan. Last week, actually, Jan and I were messaging over LinkedIn and you sent me some really amazing drawings, which we'll talk a bit about later on. Uh, but before we go any further, tell us a bit more about the Talanx Group and your own role within it. Uh, well, Talanx Group is, a, is an insurance group. We offer all kinds of insurance except health insurance, but it, even that probably will be coming soon. We have four business units, Retail Germany, HDI Global, which is industrial insurance. The third one is what we call Hint, Hade International, which is the retail international, which is Europe and Latin America. Fourth one is Hanover Re, Reinsurance, right? We are a decentralized organization, the headquarters based in Hanover, very kind of like this, what you call in Germany, Mittelstand kind of way of thinking, yeah, which is uh, rather positive because it's very uh, down to earth, taking commitment, responsibility for what you're doing, thinking about long term uh, and not just jumping on any trend maybe of the, of the shareholder or press. The challenge is to manage such a group in a decentral governance, yeah. But that's why we came in. My, I had two jobs at Talents, actually. One is the best practice lab team, which I'm heading since 2013. And the other one is the managing director, one of the four uh, guys in uh, Hanover Digital Investment when we invest in startups. We are the glue in the decentralized company. Yeah, We only have two things that we do. One is to avoid reinventing the wheel. So we have networks, communities, people exchange, give and take. And we try to push for more scaling. Yeah, uh, whatever people do with us is voluntary. So we only work with people who want to work with us. So preventing reinventing the wheel is one job. The other job is if the wheel is missing in Talangs, we try to copy it from somewhere else or invent it together. Yeah, and we have only one KPI, which is if somebody talks to us, meets us, we want that this person or this team wants to see us again. So they ha they have to want to see us again, again, and again, and again. Because if you stop. You, you can have the best idea, best solution, but if you cannot meet them, uh, they don't want to meet you, then you cannot do anything. So for us, it's the most important thing is the relationship is stable and it is fed by meaningful stuff, also human stuff that people say, I want to do it again with them. So this is very important. And what we basically do, we try to connect different business units, uh, different uh, geographies to improve our performance, especially in the three, four years. So the topics that we are working on are close to PNL. So it's basically the two biggest cash flows. One is pricing, revenue, where we have pricing people, marketing and distribution. Mm -hmm. And the second biggest cash flow going out, unfortunately, but this is our promise. So we, we, we pay for claims and stuff like that. Unfortunately, also for the criminals, uh, the fraud. This is basically service, claims, contact centers, uh, and fraud management, yeah? We have three other topics that we are working on. Is one is the behavior economics, which yeah. is extremely powerful if it comes to designing the decision situations. And the second one is artificial intelligence, uh, using yeah. data algorithms and new business models like uh, 
platforms, ecosystems going direct. So this is the sphere in, in which we work. And for us, uh, the most important part of it, the people, hmm. uh, because all the other stuff you can copy, buy or build yourself. But uh, if you don't have the right people, then, then nothing will happen. Exactly. I mean, it's interesting you mentioned behavioral economics and AI in the same sort of uh, uh, breath. If you really do it right, you have to convert, like converting from one to another religion. Yeah, you have to, first you have to accept people are not rational. And AI provides the data for this also. Yeah, so people are not rational. You have to leave this kind of belief. Yeah, once you start believing people are not rational, you will see many, many things that prove it. And then you will know how to orchestrate them. What you do then, you say, okay, Steve, how does Steve actually decide to buy or choose a service or whatsoever, to repair the car, or to get the cash or whatsoever? How does he decide? Is it a bargain hunter? Is it a price acceptor? Is it a loss avoider who is scared of taking any decisions? So number one, you are irrational. Number two, nobody wants to take decisions because decision takes lots of energy in your brain, like 25% or whatever even without decision. Once you decide, you get like, really, really, you need to eat because you need the energy. So nobody wants to take a decision. If you take decision, it's most of the time irrational. And once you understand that, that you can design the product differently, you communicate differently for a win-win because uh, you don't want somebody to kind of rip off or whatever and then uh, people will talk badly about you and you're not happy. But if, for example, if you are a risk avoider, then I would give you the information that you feel comfortable with. So it's okay, the whole village bought it already. Uh, this guy that you know, uh, you can talk to him and, and you can cancel the policy at any time. So I have to make it easier for you to, to buy it and you will be happy afterwards. It's a huge change management. Uh, most companies stop at the, using some experiments, some nudges. We are not there yet because as you can imagine, People like to be rational because the mother told you that, the school told you that, the university told you that, all the companies tell you that, uh, which is a, one of the biggest lie in the world, I think, that uh, they try to convince you that people want the cheapest stuff or something like that. And it's very hard to change, but we are working on it. How long has that been going on, the, you know, behavioral economics within your organization? Has it been a long time? Uh, five years, five years. Okay, yeah. so it's quite a mature. Yeah. Okay. I guess influenced yeah. by some of the writings of like, is it Daniel Kahneman, for example, you know, the... Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or even Tversky, even more. But there are lots of, lots of uh, very good papers, research. Unfortunately, lots of it is kind of like a marketing, you know, people repeating the same stuff. But if you ask them, okay, so how can I use it now in my restaurant? Or how mm -hmm. can I use it in my, in my company? Out of 100 people talking about behavioral economics, only two will left and one mm -hmm. will be successful. So the trick is to find the guy who actually knows how to translate it into real business. And this is, uh, this is not easy, yeah? but, mm. uh, but it's possible. So talking about Hanover Digital Investments, tell us about the, is this a bit like the Shark Tank where you're sort of investing in startups and... and yeah, corporate VC yeah. usually they... Yeah, yeah, venture, yeah, corporate venture capital. So tell us about the HDI portfolio and uh, maybe one or two really exciting startups you're working with at the moment. So it's relatively small. We invested about 35, 40 million so far. Not everything successful, but it's always like that, yeah. But uh, we have quite interesting companies in the portfolio. What we are focusing on is cyber, IIoT, behavior economics, uh, using artificial intelligence for predictive analytics, image recognition, this kind of thing. So mm. it, it is always something that is uh, directly or indirectly supporting our business because we would like also to use the services. And uh, geographically, we focus on Europe, Israel, North America. 
Yeah, we have companies using behavior economics, like Genius AI in US. We have companies offering cyber services or kind of a smart collection services. And we also have company builder when we invested from Berlin. Next Big Thing is the name of the company where we are working HDI Global with the things. And it's like it's kind of a spin-off to develop new business models and products uh, where you can use data sensors and stuff like that. So it's a, it's a learning mm. process. So we learn mm. a lot. Uh, we try to improve. It's a very complicated business because you have to understand the models. You have to understand the markets, the dynamics, the teams. They are starting very small and they are changing a lot. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, like a child, you know, uh, in two years, you, are, you, you doubled your age. So you have to manage them. You just cannot just invest the money and then leave them alone. You really have to be involved whenever it mm. makes sense for them. So we leave the space, but uh, whenever we can help, we help. And uh, we have venture days, kind of like a virtual pitching right now. The trick is maybe to pick the right companies. Uh, mm. Also have to, ex- to access to them because there's so many of them. Uh, but it's interesting for us to learn what's possible or not. And there's like a sweeping over like some ideas or solutions into our operations. We also, we start now the ops days, what we call venture days is for investment. Ops days is for uh, connecting them with our people as customer so they can use the services, which is for the startups quite interesting because they not only get the money, money is everywhere. Mm-hmm. So our, our proposition is that we have global businesses so we can bring you to our customers or to us as a customer because we have understanding of, of insurance business which is also helpful for the startup but yeah i mean you, you talked a bit about behavioral economics um and you talked a bit about partnerships and so there's a few more dimensions that you have mentioned or you haven't mentioned actually so things like automation uh, for example strategic use of data i think was another one that i understand is quite important to you I mean, I guess uh, customer centricity, which overlaps with behavioral economics. That's about some of the other dimensions. You know, insurance was handshake. It was completely digital, no paper, no nothing. Insurance was predictive analytic because you would say, okay, will the ship arrive or not or whatever? Who is this guy? So we are one of the first or maybe the only industries, if you, if you ignore the church, that were predictive analytic based and digital, fully digital. Yeah. Oh, but we had the biggest computers before Google, the Hanoverie and whatever. Yeah. That was mm-hmm. our roots. And we have this onion now that, you know, all the layers that we have to basically uh, get rid of and go back to the roots. So what, what does it mean to us? It means like getting rid of paper, getting rid of uh, loops and processes, getting rid of over-regulated customer journeys, getting rid of things rather than, than mm-hmm. putting more things into it, you know? And then of the assets that we have to use them more. I mean, I, we probably use as an insurance industry maybe 10% of the data we have. Mm-hmm. And we maybe collect only maybe 20% of the data we could collect, yeah? Because it was driven by kind of a back office. So I think there's one of the biggest opportunities when you look at different industries is I think in insurance in terms of using more data, getting rid of stuff that is not necessarily not adding value. That means automation, image recognition for claims, using voice bots, uh, chatbots. I mean, Poland, 80% uh, people don't even notice that they're talking with a computer when they report a claim. I mean, it works really, really well. Mm. Um, We used to underwrite car insurance. We use more than 1,000 variables. When I started, we used 30, 30, yeah? So it's, it's amazing what you can do, but you have to be careful. You have to learn. Uh, you cannot just copy and uh, it takes time, but mm. you will find lots of, lots of cases in insurance to apply it. Yeah. Mm. And that's yeah. what we try to do. Yeah. 
you know, and I guess the challenge is to orchestrate and have everything working in combination. Things like uh, automation analytics and AI, those three together are quite potent. Is that a, a big focus for you, sort of that orchestration? Absolutely, because uh, you have lots of things uh, that make sense, standalone, automation, uh, partnerships, and uh, it's very easy to, to lose the focus and make them in not a sustainable way. So you, you, mm. you do too many things uh, isolated, you know, like in the change curve, some will end up down there and never come out. Yeah. So I think because there's so many things, you have to kind of say no to many things. And then those who you keep, you have to connect them, orchestrate them somehow, you know, yeah. with the different layers, organizational uh, hierarchy, people, countries, whatever. So, you, so this kind of, this orchestrating for success, this is uh, what I do most of the time. And the rest kind of, uh, so to make the way free, you have to talk to people. So, so kind of like orchestrating this change in a mm. way that everybody likes it and everybody wants to be part of it. This is a challenge because you, you mentioned earlier that you have quite a decentralized organization. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, other companies like you know, Allianz, they have this sort of active shared services operations. Do you have similar sort of shared services organization or no, is, is it all? No, no. I actually built the, the biggest shared service at the back then at Allianz <laughs> when I was at Allianz because it makes sense for a central organization. Yeah. So you also, you know, this is also part of our job to translate the signals from outside mm -hmm. into our family. Yeah, We are like a family of different cultures, of different uh, people who are proud of being there and, and running the job. We don't have the experts. Everybody mm -hmm. comes from the same country. You know, it's possible to find a CEO in Brazil, you know, 100 mm -hmm. million or Mexico. You don't, see, you don't have to send it like a, a controller from, from, from Germany. Mm -hmm. So that means that if I would be in Allianz, I would still build kind of shared service centers, centers of competence, centralized whatsoever. In our case, it doesn't make sense because it would, it, it doesn't make sense because mm. our culture governance is different. So we have to find other ways yeah. how to do it. So what sense. we do, we would, I personally don't think it does many sense to have a chief transformation officer digitally because you monopolize the topic and the rest will not do anything. So in our organization, everybody has to take the signals and keep improving keep doing something. So if you're a claims manager in Poland, you will talk about the chatbots automation and not uh, a chief automation officer. Yeah. Why, why yeah. would you need them? Yeah. Wow. Uh, so, so, and it takes longer, it takes more work, but it's more sustainable, I think. But you have to understand, am I decentralized, centralized or something between and how do I translate it into my organization? For us, these kind of central things do not make sense. Nobody yeah. would like it because our chief executives officer don't execute the order from Hanover, but they actually are more like an entrepreneur officer. They have to, uh, so we, we basically hire and fire CEOs, give and take money. And if they don't perform, they have to go. If they perform, they can hire their own CFO, blah, blah, blah. So they are mm. entrepreneurs, yeah? Otherwise, it doesn't work, the centralized organization, if you don't have entrepreneurs at the end of the tree or whatever you call it, yeah? The leaves at the tree know best where the sun is, you know? The trunk doesn't have a clue. So we mm -hmm. at our headquarters like a trunk. Uh, the, yeah, the water yeah. is coming out like the, the, the money and stuff, yeah, and guidance, yeah. But the leaves know exactly where the sun is. So they turn to the sun, yeah. And, mm -hmm. uh, and the headquarters doesn't know where the sun is right now in Mexico. So why would they know, yeah? Yeah, okay. As I mentioned earlier, I, I loved watching the animations you produced <laughs> and the drawings <laughs> Thank as well. You. Um, especially when you go through the 10 key elements of leadership and it sort of reveals the word leadership at the end. Once you've established trust, it is time to act. 
timeless capabilities need to play together. Collaboration, consequence, emotional intelligence, adaptability, empowerment, transparency, curiosity, sharing, creativity, team spirit. You are the conductor of your capabilities orchestra. Every talent, every customer, every unexpected has a rhythm. It resonates with your acting. You play to succeed. Play it right. I found these uh, drawings. Actually, I will. I'm preparing the book of those uh, for Christmas. Uh, now the uh, uh, Fifty Shades of Leadership probably will be the title. <laughs> uh, uh, because uh, and also we use like for coaching because uh, a picture is something that. You know, when you go in the museum and you see the picture, you, you cannot explain what it does, but it does something with you. So this visual uh, way of leading, if you like, is, is quite strong. Yeah, this is yeah. what I'm trying to use with a bit of twist, like it's something funny, because it's all human. You know, obviously it's been a bad COVID situation. How has your uh, organization adapted? Tell us a bit about sort of um, the operations now as it stands. Surprisingly, uh, like many other companies, it went very well. Yeah, because there's internet, because there's all these uh, tools. I mean, uh, I, I was very surprised at how we can continue working virtually in a, in a very effective way, I must say. Uh, but still, I think everybody can't, can't wait to, to, to meet to because you, you have a different way of interactions. But to kind of manage this time, I tend to say like that we, we live from the last harvest. Yeah, there was like, I think one, one drawing on LinkedIn that, you basically are going to go to your cellar, get a bit of a jar of trust or smiling or whatever. And then you eat it while, you know, while, while uh, watching the Zoom. Uh, and I think somewhere in April, May, probably the cellar will be empty. And then you have to go and uh, make sure that there is another harvest because uh, you will have misunderstandings. So I think it has to be over soon, hopefully. Mm. But I think many things will stay because before it was kind of unacceptable not to meet or not to go to Hanover for me or whatever. Now many things are absolutely okay. So I think it will be more efficient, maybe also more effective. And the value of personal meeting will be much, much higher than before. So I think yeah. it was kind of like a kind of adjusting the, the, the weights and values uh, and seeing what you're missing or not. Uh, like, you know, finding out that you are globally connected, but you actually you live locally, completely locally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah. And uh, so there are many, I think it depends how much we learn from it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, people tend to forget, uh, especially what's negative uh, very quickly, but some will learn maybe and uh, uh, it will, everything will be better afterwards. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, uh, sort of running out of time now, Jan, but it's been great speaking with you. Anything else you want to add to the conversation um, as we sort of sign off? buy my book for Christmas, <laughs> go to YouTube by name if you like it. I would love to, if somebody has an idea where I can help, I would love to kind yeah. of influence people if they want to, uh, with the kind of common sense, uh, very human way of uh, doing business. Yeah. So, and I, and I hope people uh, think about it when they choose the job, apply for a job whatsoever. They think, okay, I, I go there as a human uh, and I want to improve rather than just get some money and, and, and pay for it with whatever. So I think just uh, be very honest to yourself. That would be my advice. Uh, and I have to do it every day also. It's not easy. Exactly. But no, thank you for having me. Yeah. No problem. No problem. Thanks very much, Jan. I'll, I'll leave you to it and uh, be in touch very soon. 
Thank you, Steve. All, All the best. best. Stay healthy. Take care. Yeah. Right. Bye-bye. Bye.